Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. It is indeed typical that you Earth people refuse to believe in the superiority of any world but your own. Good evening and welcome to television. I'm Philip Hunting. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm Ashley Hall. And welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Hey. Starting with Ash, what have you been watching recently? I've recently watched a TV show called Happy, Ooh. which is a very, very interesting show. It's an adaptation of a comic book ah, of the yeah. same name. Okay. It's um, Christopher Maloney. Uh, he's one of the main guys from Law and Order SVU. Yes, and Oz as well. Yes, yes. yes. Fantastic actor. Um, and Patton Oswald as well. I don't know if you I guys know, know that him. name. Um, he's in everything nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you'd know his voice. You'd know his face yeah. if you yeah. saw yeah. it. Oh, I was um, one of those character actors. Yeah. 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 yeah um, it's about a man whose daughter gets kidnapped and her imaginary friend comes to find the dad, mm-hmm. her estranged father. Right. To, to rescue her. Oh, okay. And is that Happy? Yeah, Happy is the imaginary, imaginary friend, played oh. by Patton Oswald, who is actually a flying unicorn. <laughs> Very small little unicorn. Yes, it is quite possibly, I'm not even lying here, no exaggerations at all, quite possibly the best show of 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. So that sounds quite interesting yeah. and incredibly imaginative. I wonder what the creator was on when they put that together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> And now, onto Philip Hunting. What have you been watching lately, mate? I've actually gotten myself back into a show called Life on Mars. Oh. The BBC version. Oh, I've heard of this. So, um, basic synopsis is a 2013, I believe it is, a cop gets sent back in time. We're not entirely sure how, whether he's in a coma or whether he's in, you know, he's actually back in time. Um, but he gets sent back in time to the 70s and becomes a beat cop in the 70s with 2013 morals and ethics. Wow. It's really good. So he spends the entire time not only trying to do his job because he's not sure what's real anymore because after a bit he even questions was my 2013 life fake? Yes. Um, so he's got this whole issues there. But also, one of the crimes that he's been trying to solve in 2013 is linked to a crime in the 1970s that ended up being a cold case. Does it raise any of those moral issues of, you know, if I could go back in time, I would prevent this, A that? lot of, yeah. yes. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of, you know, race, gender issues, uh, male stereotype issues. Of course. All this sort of stuff that he has to face in the same lack of technology you know um, lack of ethic street smarts street smarts yeah yeah, playing an important part and also you're in that beautiful decade where everything is transitioning where minorities are getting a greater voice that's it yeah and you know and of course you need to wait a few more decades before that voice is properly heard and acknowledged Um, is there any hippies I believe there are hippies, yes. Although it's set in England, so it's a bit more... A bit more punky. Yeah, a bit more punky area. Really, really good series. If you're going to go watch it, make sure it's the BBC version, not the American version. I'm going to spoil the American version right now. Because the BBC version, without spoilers, they do leave it very vague at the end. But in a really good way. Yeah. The American version, it's like they turn around and say, this ending sucks... Our audience won't get it. Which I constantly think American yes. producers underestimated an American audience. Yes. 
they actually have him wake up. This is the American version. Wake up on a colony on Mars where all this experience, his 2013 and 1970s experience, were all a virtual reality Wow. Crocs. And, oh. and it's just dumb, and it's purely because the name is, is there life on Mars? So we need to actually answer it and say yes, and a bit like Total Recall. Yeah. If you've seen that film, it's connected so to So many people were angry, just pure angry at that when that... Oh, yeah, because you're treating your audience like, like idiots. idiots. It's interesting because when they when America remade Queer as Folk, so Queer as Folk, the British series, has a very open ending mm. And it's one that a lot of people apparently did not like, the fact that it was so open and obscure. I personally really love it. But the American one has a very clean conclusion to the narrative. Again, leaves it a little bit open to say, well, we're not really sure what's going to happen with these guys, but it's satisfying enough. So it is interesting how an American audience and a British audience are treated. Well, my partner is British and she prefers the American careers folk. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. the English one. Okay. So... Yeah, from an English set of eyes, the American versions are sometimes, are often yeah. preferred. Well, it's interesting because with Queer Spoken itself is the American version was specifically written for a heterosexual audience. And oh. I don't think the British one was. Mm. Yeah. So I think you find that the American version of Queer Folk was tailored more to women, heterosexual women, um, more than anything else. The Office is an interesting example of that because that was not necessarily too... You know, one's good, one's bad. They were specifically two different types of humour. Yes. In this, it was really just the same setting. Yes. From what I gather of it, like season one of both, essentially ran off the exact same sort of stuff. But season two, American one, sort of diverged into a more optimistic uh, American style of humour, whereas the British one was a very deadpan. Yeah. You know, sort of typical British, but typical British. I feel like humour almost or comedy gets a pass because of those different types yeah, of senses yeah, yeah. of humours as opposed to dramas. But a lot of people didn't like American Kath and Kim. Ooh. Well don't I'm some get me stuck. <laughs> well, I'm someone who doesn't even like the Australian Kath and oh, Kim. Yeah, yeah. But before we go all I'm out leaving. war and <laughs> walks out, it's great that you guys watch things that were really interesting. So one of the things that I've seen since our last podcast, I decided to punish myself yeah. and watch a movie that I knew was going to be bad, but you know the film lover in me said well you have to go through these bad films <laughs> I watched Glitter which was Mariah Carey's vanity project and I'm deeply remorseful and I feel a little <laughs> bit dirty and I just want to say Mariah Carey does have entertainment value but save it for when she's performing on New Year's Eve <laughs> you know save yep. it when she's in that beautiful supporting role in Precious Glitter is just um, a movie unto itself <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, monotone Mariah really sums it all up. But speaking of bad movies, Philip, what's today's film? Today we are reviewing This Island Earth. Tell us about it, Janet. (laughs) Released in 1955, This Island Earth is an American sci-fi from Universal International, directed by Joseph M. Newman and Jack Arnold. It is based on Raymond F. Jones's 1952 novel of the same name and is cited as Universal Studios' first colour sci-fi. The story follows kidnapped scientists Carl Meacham, Rex Reason, and Ruth Adams, Faith Domague, as they are whisked into space by Exeter, Jeff Morrow, and Brack, Lance Fuller, 
to try to save their planet of Metaluna. Wayne. Philip. What did you think? Well, I'm a fan of B-grade movies, especially those that came out of the 1950s. Mm. I think that era is fascinating because these films talk to a political and social climate. Mm. This Island Oath isn't any different. We can see there's a fear of communism and mm-hmm. invasion and all of these different things, but then does also try to end on a note which says, we can all still live as one. <laughs> can we all just get along? We, we can, as long as the communists change. I don't think I'm reading too much into it to go that far. Look, I mean, this one is quite typical of 1950s propaganda films, so there's nothing all that special about it. It does have these really fun and good elements that hold up well today, I think. But, you know, it's one of many, I suppose. Mm. Ash, what were your thoughts? I am so confused by this movie. (laughs) Genuinely, I'm not fully sure if I understand the plot. It was a lot of fun, though. It seemed like they enjoyed making it. I enjoyed watching it. And based on that, you can't really go wrong there. Yeah, I tend to agree that I halfway through the film, I was like, I'm not exactly sure I understand what's going on, but I will keep on going yeah. with it. In saying that, I feel like maybe that was because it has the simplest and smallest of premises that got stretched out to a yeah, feature-length yeah. time. So, Philip, you brought this to us. What were your thoughts? So, I I feel with movies, there's this sort of era where they really just still didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> and that sort of lasts from when movies sort of first came out. Uh, feature-length movies really first came out in the 1920s. I know it was before that, but, you, you know, that, that sort of era of mass-produced movies. Right. Through to the late... 50s, maybe even early 60s, where I just feel movie makers still weren't 100% sure what movies should be. You get all these one- movies where they just look like, you know, stage shows, mm. and you've got all those musicals. And I'm not saying they're bad, but it just still has that feel of no one quite knew what movies are meant to look like mm. or the, what, what tropes are meant to be used. And you get all these issues with... You know, dialogue and and run runtime. For example, the showing someone moving from one side of the screen to the other when really you could have cut there and gone to the next scene. Yeah, I feel that this movie suffers heavily from that. Yeah, there's very much it doesn't know what a sci-fi is meant to look like. There's a lot of jargon in there. Where okay, you could say Star Wars, for example, has a lot of jargon. Mm. But it's confident about its jargon. This is almost jargon for the sake of we're a sci-fi, we're meant to sound... Scientific. Scientific. Uh, Throwing a lot of science words. Yeah. What I would like to touch on, though, is also with that Star Wars link. Yeah. You know, you said a lot of movies, sci-fis of this era, but I think almost all sci-fis have that... I mean, even Star Wars, you look at Star Wars episode 4, 5, 6, starts off as that sort of Nazi sort of vibe of the Empire, then you've got the uh, communist sort of thing with the Cold War and Mm. the the jungle forest battles. Episode 2 is very famously Iraq. (laughs) Right, and not subtle about it either. Not subtle about it at all. I definitely agree with you when you say that this has got that sort of Cold War element, that, that trying to say hey, what can we do about this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think sci-fis are great for that because it allows you to discuss your world and your society 
by placing it in a different one. Yes. So you can watch it as a face value entertainment fun, but it's still trying to teach you something without being too preachy. Just to pick up on a few of your points there, Philip, about movies not really, I guess, knowing what a movie is or what, you know, Mm. filmmakers knowing what movies are supposed to be. I feel like it depends on the era because, you know, we've now gone into sound films. We've now going into color films Mm -hmm. and we're mass producing films. So we're really recycling the same plots and the same stories over and over again. And movies of this era, because they were popular and usually placed as double features, you know, with another B grade movie started with a title. Yes. Let's build on that. Yes. You know. Uh, um, side note, um, this was actually uh, billed with Abbott and Costello Meet the Mummy. Yes. So I think, <laughs> there you go. It's kind of like, let's have two big names, yeah. two big franchises all merging together, and we'll just play this as your bonus movie yeah. type thing. But again, I think that says a lot about the era that it was made in. Ash, would you say that you're a fan of these sorts of films? The, you know, the Definitely. 1950s? Yeah. Definitely. Um, the original House of Wax is one of my favourite movies. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I actually think it's actually a scary movie. Oh, yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. One of my favourite films of this era that is very openly about, you know, the threat of communism is The Blob. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great film. That's a good one. Um, and it's one of those rare movies where the remake does an incredible job as well. Yes. You know, it's a different context, but it just is beautiful. It is very good. Um, and which was great because the uh, remake was still made in the Cold War. <laughs> but, you know, different sort of mindset and make altogether. I love the Blob's uh, theme tune. The theme song is fantastic. Where of the Blob. Well, you know, I think the Blob is definitely a film to explore down the track yeah, yeah. because it is incredibly made. Yeah. So, Philip, you were talking as well that things get shown a lot. You're right. These days, you know, walking to a door would be left on the cutting room floor. Mm, mm. I have a few theories as why that might be, and these are very uneducated theories. Yeah, that's all right. But it's more, I think, maybe too padded out to keep it at feature length. Mm. Usually, sometimes dialogue is happening at the same time. But with the example that you're pointing to, and that's when, you know, the the aliens are are, sh- are leading Ruth to, to a door, for mm. example... I actually think it is to sort of show off our special effects. Yeah. That door opens by itself. itself yeah. How advanced is this mm. spaceship? So I think there's those little visual cues and clues, maybe building on anticipation. Mm. I guess for you to view it as a waste of film, and I am putting words into your mouth yeah. there, could just be that what they aimed to do was not effective for you. Yeah. yeah. I-, I wonder how much was era appropriate too, because we look at it now mm. With Star Trek and Star Wars You're right. and Babylon 5. And, yeah. An opening door is an opening door. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't All matter. All sci-fi doors open by themselves. It is... Yeah. The, the two pieces of paper making the sound yeah. is a staple of sci-fi. Yes. And and now when you go to the supermarket, the doors open, open by, themselves. by themselves. So it's not a big... You're right, for us it's not so, a big deal. Yeah. I do wonder if it's part of that. I also wonder if a little bit of it is... And again, uh, this is very uneducated, but... How new were sci-fis? I know the idea of science fiction had been around since Jules Verne. Yes. And beyond. But how really new was this this concept still playing out in theatres? Because was it breathing time for the audience? Mm. Was just a few seconds of, okay, I understand walking towards a door. That's a human thing. Yeah. A few seconds to take in all the tube with the gas and the <laughs> yeah it could be is I'm... it is it 
to keep them, okay, I know where we are, it's too many cuts, going to be too jarring for an audience that maybe hadn't gro truly grown up with cinema. I feel like that for this, it is really all about the anticipation. There is this mm. underlying threat. There could also be an element of let's show off our sets. Mm. Now, because yeah. this has a futuristic element to it, because everything and everyone from outer space has to be more advanced. And whenever we show the future, things are always less is more. It's mm. always clean surfaces and sleek. But people were most definitely used to these films. So we had mm. the sci-fi serials, for example, again, which heavily influenced Star Wars. You know, yeah, the Flash yeah, Gordon yeah. serials. Yeah. You know, Superman had been on screen. We'd seen Metropolis. Superman. Yeah. No, Metropolis. Um... No, Metropolis is the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah the German film. Oh, Rick yes, Lane. Yes, 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 yeah, silent film. Yep, so they'd definitely seen it. So I think this is def uh, filmmaker's choice yeah. in that regard. So Ash, in terms of the film's visual cues, do you think it works to sort of depict the world that they're trying to depict here? In my opinion, yes, it does. Like, um, a lot of the visual effects are definitely a product of the time, but they still work. Mm, Even yeah. nowadays, they still work. They like as I'm watching, I know what I'm seeing. If yeah. you can kind of understand, absolutely, like, yeah. There's no like, oh, what's that going on? What's going on over there? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm seeing a plane flying in front of a mountain. Yeah, mm. like I get it. And when they go into space, it was something that we did start talking about during the film. Um, <laughs> bad audience members, yeah. um, you know, about like you know the matte paintings, for example, yeah. and how beautiful, so beautiful that work is, and. You know, I don't know about you boys, but I don't mind knowing a model ship and seeing the string is floating in front of a matte painting. If I'm lost in the world, I'm lost in the world. Yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. And I think there's an element of fun to it. Yeah, one of the things, speaking particularly of the matte painting backgrounds, that yes. kind of blew my mind. In 1955, there was explosions happening, like, behind other, <laughs> yeah. behind yeah. bridges and things. Like, it... Yeah. So it's very technical. Yeah. Mm. It would take a lot, especially back then, it would have taken months, I would say, to do that. Yeah. And it's easy to take that stuff for granted as well, because oh, yeah. again, we're used to seeing it all done via CGI, yeah. where it's not a big deal. So even now we might laugh. I mean, we had a chuckle when Ruth and Cal were hiding in the river and things are getting vaporized and then blown up. <laughs> Just kind of like, hmm, timing's a little bit off. But what a wonderful technical feat yeah. that was nonetheless. Yeah. I was saying with that, that I'd actually like to see it more myself come back. Those practical effects mm. that you were saying about, it really actually, even though when it looks that fake, it looks more real. Jurassic Park is always a go-to that I feel with that. Mm. Whilst they did use a bit of CGI, a lot of the stuff was, especially when the actors actually felt it. You felt the, yes. the dinosaurs right there. Yep. And I think that this movie cannot be... It can be criticised for quite a bit. <laughs> yes. It cannot be criticised for its special effects, no. even today. I actually would even go as far to say as if I saw a movie made today like that, yeah. with a few touch-ups and a modernisation, we could have something that really is enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and I think the charm of these films, and why they do hold up so well, is marvelling at how they did make it yes. and put it together. Yeah. Again, you know, I've seen so many films that you can see the outline of where the green screen is or where the actor is to the green screen. I can see the models. I can see the string. If the film is captivating enough and hooks you at the beginning, 
you are lost in that world and you yeah. don't care. And so there is nothing worse Star than... Wars. Yeah, Star absolutely. Wars, the original trilogy was yeah. all real effects. Yeah, and there is nothing worse than having somebody watching it with you who does not appreciate it and call out that looks fake mm, yes. <laughs> that that's an annoying process yes, you know is, yes. so but someone who's allowed to get lost in the world of the film is mm. beautiful so some of my favorite films still come from 50s 60s 70s 80s yeah. when you can see the puppetry and things like that i don't care i don't notice it when i'm watching the film now i want to point out something with that mm. I feel, going back to what I was talking about with they didn't quite work out, so I think the storyline is the thing that dies in this movie. Yeah. The storyline, the dialogue, the sequences, the scenes themselves. The acting itself is actually not too bad considering what they've been given. Yes. I quite enjoy the actors. Ruth Adams. What did you? What did? What did you? The phrase you used uh, earlier: "sexy cast." They are a sexy cast <laughs> because they are the all-American cast. They need to be the all-American yeah, cast because it. they're fighting foreigners. They need to hold up this ideal. But you know, let's think about it this way: Who else would you want to save you, other than Rex Reason, <laughs> as Cal Meacham? Just Absolutely wonderful. One thing that I will critique, though, mm-hmm. is there are a few points where our hero, Cal, yeah. has the opportunity to kick butt, and they don't give it to him. Yeah. So he can't show all that strength, you know, like an alien is thwarted. That's it. That's it. Um, oh, just, you just go, really? This is, this is where I'm really going to critique the actual storyline. Now, Ash, you said earlier mm. off mic yes. that you'd like to see this redone. I said it about 14 times. You yeah. Did. And potentials there. Yeah. Yeah. There's got a lot of potential. The basic arc, the basic <laughs> um, storyline, the basic of all of it is there. Yes. What isn't there is a polished unit. Do you know, I find, story. I find it interesting that this is based on a novel. Yeah. So I feel like the novel would have been a lot more in depth. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, obviously there's only so much you can do on film versus a writer's imagination. Mm. Because the way it's presented, I would have said, oh yeah, it's a great idea for a short story. Mm. It doesn't feel like the makings of a novel length concept. Yes. So it would be interesting to have a read of the novel or to find out the details of that novel storyline. Like you were saying, mm. Phil, you know, it's not quite so fleshed out mm. because it would be there in the original text, I think. What I think is really lacking on it, yeah. again, I actually think is time and context. Mm. So what this story needs is to be focusing on that humanity element that it plays upon and is featured around, but the problem is it doesn't go into it enough. Yeah. So, Star Wars, when episode four, is essentially the Camelot story. Yeah. So, they got away with being able to do a good story that everyone was sort of half familiar with, mm. and then add in the universe element and focus on the universe. You need your characters and an element of the world to be relatable to begin that's with, it, to care about it, them. That's yeah. it. So, but that's why they were able to, people were able to understand all this technical stuff, yes. because they didn't have to focus on the story. 
here is a thing where they're trying desperately to show you all the science and show you all the mm. stuff. And this is why this is legit. And also, here's a complex story for you to wrap your head around. Yeah. Because in the day, those sort of humanity stories are very complex. Yes. Yeah. And so, I honestly think a remake today... Yeah. Focusing in on that humanitarian aspect, because today, people are, Again, we go back to people really understand the tropes of sci-fi. Yes. You don't have to explain to people what a flying saucer is. You don't yeah. have to explain to people how, you know, how's the gravity work, because we know... And you kind of accept sci-fi. it, too. That's it. You accept it. It's that acceptable trope. It's that suspension of disbelief that people do when they go to watch a movie, especially a sci-fi or a superhero movie or anything like that. You don't need to know why... It just is. Yeah, because it's acceptable in that world. And that's it. And so I think if they weren't focusing on that and just focused on this element, we'd get a much, I feel, stronger movie on it. And I think, Phil, to pick up on that idea, it is reflective of the time, though. Yes. And in saying that is, you're right, if it was remade today, so Ash, when you go and remake it, mm. I think you would focus in more on that humanitarian side or at least really get some time to develop our two central characters yeah, of Cal yeah. and Ruth, because we need to care about them. I mean, they do fall in love and all of those things, well, just because they have to, because, again, they're the all-American couple. They're representing the future mm, mm. of the country now that we're all safe. We can go back on to leading you know, mm. the white, middle-class, heteronormative yeah. lives that we need to. So today's audiences demand more from yes. their characters. We want to relate to them. We're happy to sit through two hours yes. relating That's to exactly them. Exactly what I was about to touch on. Um, the, the length, the average runtime of a film has increased drastically yes. over the last five to ten years. Yes. As back then, I, um, this movie, This Island Earth, goes for an hour and twenty-six minutes, I believe. Yes. Yes. Movies nowadays are running at minimum two hours. Yes. Yeah. The problem with this film, though. And it, I think, touches upon things that Phil's been talking about, about it being padded out and all of these different things. It feels longer than an hour 20. Yeah, because the substance really isn't there. It is style over substance. Mm. But again, if we look at the era that it was made in, these are the equivalent of pulp fiction. They're designed to churn out, turn a quick buck. And... For that, it does what it was intended to do. Yeah. You know? And also, in, in saying that, um, as we said before, it's cited as Universal's first colour sci-fi mm. film. Yeah. So it's very much a show-off. So yes, it yes. is definitely style over substance. Yeah. And it does have an interesting colour palette. Yeah. You know, there is this interesting oh. bit where they walk into that room and everyone's purple. Everyone's purple and it yeah. made me feel a bit sick. Yeah. Which is interesting because that is really the significant... <laughs> part of the film in terms of the story and the whole purpose this is where we if you haven't picked it up already it is about american values versus foreign i.e communist russia values Mm, you know yeah yeah you know it's the only time that religion is mentioned but it Mm. has to be in there because they're the values we're upholding it did feel a bit out of place though these two scientists (laughs) yes uh, we are as big as our god and it's like okay yep you're in space. Yes. Your Christianity should very much be in question right now. But okay. <laughs> it is that whole thing about, you know, the American heroes being more advanced. So culturally, civilly, scientifically, and having the right moral code and ethics as well, even for scientists. Mm. Yeah. So, Philip, this particular film came about for us <laughs> because episode one. Yes. You brought us... 
a film. Yes. Tell us about that film, its context, and how it ended up that we are now reviewing this island earth. So, episode one, listeners, if you remember clearly, was Mystery Science Theatre 3000, the movie, in which they lampooned uh, this, this island earth. And I remember I really enjoyed it. Wayne, you didn't like it, but I remember you saying you'd love to see this movie. I was in a little Oddities DVD shop in the city, mm-hmm. and I saw it, and I just went, yes, <laughs> I have to grab this now. Yes, and do you regret your purchase? No. <laughs> do I like the movie? No. <laughs> do I regret the purchase? No. Um, no, I don't regret the purchase at all, but coming into final thoughts... This movie itself is a product of its era. Mm. It's got so much potential, but just misses the mark on so many levels. I love the actors in this. Yeah, I would love to see... There's very few actors from the 50s, that sort of era. A lot of people, I think, call it the golden era. I've never seen it as a golden era of film. I've seen it as a confused era of film. (laughs) And I tell you now... I, these are some of the few actors I sit back and go, I, I want to see what they do in a modern context. If they were that age with modern yeah. sort of film making or even something during the 80s, 90s. So for me, I would have to give this film under modern <laughs> pretext a 2 out of 5. I can see what it's doing, but didn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. Ash. Yeah. I noticed that you struggled with this one quite a bit. <laughs> What are your thoughts on a score out of five? What is going on in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Like, far out. It says a lot about Rex Reason's career that this is the movie he's known for. <laughs> wow. Uh, love you, Rex. Love you, Rex. <laughs> Rest in peace, bro. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that scene where they walked in and everybody was purple and green and... Like... <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. Like, there was no explanation as to why they were that shade all of a sudden. It was as soon as they walked in the door, they were a different colour. Oh, my God. And they spent so much time just right next to this slab of lead. You had such a problem oh, and a, cons- a concern of them being yes, with lead. That they were s- and they were letting the cat jump all over it. <laughs> Everybody in that scene does not make it to the sequel. <laughs> oh, and speaking of that, that goddamn cat... Leave the cat alone, Ash. I love the cat. I love the cat to death. Don't get me wrong. So did the movie. Why, yeah. Why, yeah. Was, why was it only there for like seven minutes? And it just and, disappeared. And somehow we're all meant to know that cats can see yeah. neutronins, yes. neutrons. They whatever. can sense that they've got those, you know, well, you know the, the feels. feels. Animals are always the first to know. <laughs> Why were the foreheads so big? <laughs> I love that. I love the foreheads. Because they're from outer space and you no, have no, to no, sort no. of show the difference there. Go on, go on, Ash. Keep ranting, oh, my gosh. friend. Oh. And, oh man, how come the woman didn't do anything unless the dude told her to? There was that yeah, hilarious... 1950s, my friend. There was that <laughs> hilarious scene, wasn't it, when the alien was coming up to her and... She needs to be told to run yeah, <laughs> before yeah. she runs. All she does is scream up to that point. <laughs> but even then, somehow everyone's got uh, magnets in their hand. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I can't move. Yeah. That. And, oh. 
<laughs> no, I agree. It's, and this is part of what I'm talking about with the, the problem with the story itself. There is no coherency to the yeah. story. It so, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And what else were you thinking about it, Ash? That man had a butt on his head. <laughs> one of the guys with the forehead, with the one with the five head, um, he had these two lumps on the very top of his head and they made it look like butt. He had a butt on his head. It, I don't understand. What is the point of this gosh darn movie? I actually feel like if there is a point, it is in a character that you fell absolutely in love with by the name of Brack. Brack. Oh. Do you want to talk about Brack, Brack. played by Brack. Lance Fuller? Brack. Brack. The most amazing character I've ever seen. <laughs> he comes around the corner, he's wearing a helmet. That's it. And then all of his mannerisms and that. He's like um, a stereotypical 1970s film black character. I feel like... I love it. Do you feel like that Brack, i.e. Lance Fuller, is walking around like, I am too good for this yes. shit? Yes. <laughs> Lance Fuller is walking around like, my what am I doing here? I what think is this horrendous think piece of crap the, the that pay, I just, I just the pay was me. good. I'm sorry. I feel like Lance Fuller was looking at Rex Reason and going, oh, they got you to star in it. <laughs> <laughs> There's all American jock with that amazing voice. <laughs> yeah. So again, a perfect lead for this film. Just the sexiest of sexy all American leading men. So Ash, what would you give this film out of five? Five out of five. <laughs> At the end of that round, I have to say I'd give it a five out of five. I'd watch it right now. Five bracks out of five. Yeah, five bracks out of five bracks. Okay, but what would you really give it? Negative five. <laughs> out of five. It's so horrendous. But I, I did find out an interesting fact during the film, watching yeah. of this movie. Yeah. I was Googling, Wikipedia-ing. Yeah, I've never seen two guys more on their phones during oh. a film. I'm like, okay, this says a lot, but go on, Ash. Rex Reason and Jeff Morrow teamed up one year later for the third entry in the Creature of the Black Lagoon hey. film series. Hey. Oh. Just to show you where their careers were headed. I will say, the the original Creature from the Black Lagoon is one of my all-time favourite monster movies. Absolutely. I don't know if I've seen the third one. Yes. Almost. I actually have, but it's a great, it's a great trilogy. Um, so we're sticking with negative five. <laughs> Yes, negative five out of five for this one. Okay, so Brack elevated it to a negative five. Yes. <laughs> it would have been yeah, worse yeah, without, yeah. without you, Lance Fuller. five billion. <laughs> Look, I am somewhere in agreement with you, Ash and Philip, that it's not a great film. It's got a lot of potential. Stylistically, it is good to look at, but the story, the narrative just goes on for too long. As a short film subject, it would have been absolutely beautiful. The cast do so well with the little they've been given, and I think there's no denying that they knew the sort of film <laughs> that they were making. I think they would have had fun making this yeah. film. These films were a dime a dozen. It served its purpose to still push the whole American values element of it. If it was to be re-envisioned today, that would be really interesting to look at, I think. Mm. Look, as a fan of 1950s sci-fi films, this one really isn't up there for me. I'm glad that I have seen it, just to get it out of <laughs> my system. Um, it's a two out of five star film for me. Yeah, it's no Plan Nine from Outer Space. No, it's a, it's a metal lunar. Yes. Plot. So Wayne. Yes, Philip. What do you have for us next time? Well, next time I am sticking with the science fiction theme. Oh, so it's the science fiction double feature. <laughs> it is. It is. But I am hoping that this one is going to be received 
a lot better <laughs> than this island oath. So next time I am presenting what I think is the greatest superhero film ever made. And we are in an era of an onslaught of superhero <laughs> and comic book films. But this one still stands and towers well above them. So get ready to put on your blue spandex Yay. and red boots. It's Superman the movie from 1978. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Nice. I haven't seen that yet. You haven't? Fantastic. Yeah. Haven't you ever seen that one? No, well, I've, I've seen bits of it. It's oh. one of those I've seen it on, you know, coming halfway through, yeah. all that sort of jazz, but I've not fully sat down and appreciated it yet. And it's on my... I want to, I've just never had time to. Yeah. So, I think it'll be an interesting one because it was a film that I grew up with, so it was always playing on my TV at some right. stage. Versus somebody such as yourself, Philip, who now has a lot more mm. sci-fi and comic book movies to mm. compare it to. Mm. And Ash, where do you fit in with your watching of this movie? Have you seen I've it before? I've seen it a fair few times. Yeah. yeah. It used yeah, to yeah. be one of my favourites when I was a young'un. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they grew out of it a bit though with the newer stuff that's come out. Right. But so we could see if it yeah. stands up for, for you guys. I haven't watched hmm. it in about 15 years so it will be interesting. Oh, fantastic. Great. We'll right. look forward to that. On that note, I've been a Philip Hunting. I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been an Ashley Hall. And you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Ashley, encourage him. This is Fred Watch. You've watched. You've watched Fred Watch. Watching on Fred. Reviews, reviews, and other views. And... And white, men, and white men should not rap. <laughs> and scene.